Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message. All weekend, we've been in the School of Prophecy with Dan McCollum and Bethany Hicks. Uh, They were teaching us the many ways that we hear God and activating us. Uh, They teach School of Prophecy, School of Prophets. So even those that are prophets, been prophesying for a while, they come to bring an increase in what we hear. And it's uh, amazing what happened this weekend. And I just want to say uh, thank you to Dan and Bethany for getting on that plane and coming and being with Alaska. And uh, I'm not going to belabor this, but I just invite you, come and speak the word of the Lord to us. I'm going to use this stand here. Hey, good to meet you guys. Bless you, Unite Church. What a testimony that was, huh? That was so awesome. I'm feeling healing for somebody in their left shoulder. Uh, Feels like maybe a dislocation or a bone spur or something uh, in that left shoulder that's keeping you from uh, being able to lift it above your head, being able to kind of cartwheel it around. So if that's you, just take it right now. Hallelujah. It's, it's there. It's there for you. Anybody? Does that apply to somebody here? Yeah? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It, you, it's, there's plenty to go around. You don't have to. <laughs> we had a great time uh, at our prophecy school. And... Um, uh, how many of you guys were there? It was, yeah, awesome, awesome. We have a couple of resources uh, still available from that at the back table. This is a book I wrote called Love and Prophecy. If you have a desire to see prophetic culture change in our generation, I believe this is the start. The prophetic needs to be filtered through the love of God. <laughs> the scripture says that prophecy without love is nothing. And a lot of it, honestly, hasn't sounded much like love, hasn't felt much like love, hasn't worked much like love. (laughs) And so what we did is we took the descriptions of love in 1 Corinthians 13 and we applied them to what they look like uh, in the gift of prophecy. And it would also apply to other supernatural gifts. This was uh, a keynote message at the Voice of Prophets with Randy Clark uh, that I gave last year. And uh, I'd love to sow this into somebody, actually, maybe somebody that's had a bad experience with prophecy. I'd love to, uh, to share that with you. Has anybody like ever been hurt by a prophetic word or, or yes, ma'am right there. Could, could, I'd love to share this with you. Come on up. Bless you. And I, God healed you of that this week. Awesome. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. And real quickly, I have some USB drives back there. Uh, This is really my life message. It's living on the right side of the cross. I realize that even as a pastor, as a worship leader, as a youth pastor, as an itinerant minister uh, all around the world, that I was relating more to the dead Jesus than the resurrected Jesus. And you know what? It's, It's powerful to relate to Jesus on the cross 
because Jesus died for me, forgives me of sin, and gets me into the kingdom. But Jesus died as me to fill me with the fullness of God. That gets the kingdom into me and through me and gets me transforming the world. And so we talk about how to relate to the ascended Jesus, how to really explore the power of your new birth, your salvation as a new creation in Christ Jesus, and how to take a hold of ascended realities to transform the world around you. So I'd love to give this to somebody today, maybe somebody with a lot of sin in their life. Just raise your hand. We'll just, I'm just teasing. You know what? Just because you played the joke with me, come get this. I saw you raise your hand. That was awesome. Bless you. Bless you. She played along. That was, that was fun. That was fun. I believe we're living in an unprecedented time that is not defined by COVID. <laughs> I believe we're living in an unprecedented time of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's love. But I also believe that this is a season of unprecedented innovation. The shutdown of everything is your opportunity to redefine. It's a reset. It is. It's a reset. Don't wait for what is next. Define what is next. Don't wait for what is next. Create what is next. You know, during the Great Depression, more millionaires were made than any time in history. And right now, some of you have experienced economic shutdown. I'm telling you, it might be your introduction into a better you. Life doesn't happen to you. You happen to life. Because the life is not around you. The life is within you if you know Jesus Christ. It's the thief that's come to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life more abundantly. An abundant life is this inside-out kingdom that who you are in Christ Jesus is supposed to transform you in a way that transforms the world around you. And so uh, today I want to speak a little bit about creative innovation. This is this idea of reinventing yourself, reinventing your reality, and, and, and where that could come from through our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know... Uh, the scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the way. Say it with me. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. For 50 years, I believe that we have been in a season where the emphasis of those three has been the way. You know, we've come through an evangelical season, and, and of course, we'll, we'll not leave that. We're building on top of that. But the primary revelation was that Jesus was the way. And so we went into the world, you know, screaming, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the way, and, and, and Jesus is the door, and, and, and that is important. We've got to be the door. We've got to show the way. But many of us have just been, you know, we, we've come through the door of Jesus, and we're standing in that door. In other words, you're standing in the way. Because <laughs> a door is for the purpose of entering into something. <laughs> Jesus is the door not just out of something. He's the door into something. 
So come through the way of Jesus into the truth of Jesus. Truth is the currency of our generation. Whoever has the best idea leads. Whoever has the best idea wins. Whoever has the best idea prospers. Jesus isn't just the way, he's the truth. And what I love about this, he's not just religious truth. (laughs) Come on, come on. As a matter of fact, God's not very religious. The only people he didn't seem to get along with was religious people. (laughs) It's true. It's true. (laughs) Come on, distrust your religion if it's grumpy. You really should. (laughs) All right. So we're talking about creative innovation. I believe that about seven, eight years ago, we transferred from a season where the emphasis was Jesus being the way to Jesus being the truth. I believe we're in a 50-year cycle right now of manifesting Jesus as the truth. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus is the way, and he's the only way, and it's a foundation we're building on, but the emphasis right now is the truth. And more people are going to come to the way of Jesus through the truths that are revealed than through us shouting that he's the way, the way, the way. It's like a Solomon season where the kings of the earth began to send envoys into Solomon because he had such sources of wisdom, such sources of revelation. And the queen of Sheba comes and sees how his table is set and how his servants are dressed and how he designed the stairway that went up to his palace. And she said, there's no God like your God. She came to the way through the truth of his wisdom. She didn't come to God through a miracle. She came to God through a Martha Stewart anointing, how the table was set, how the, how the folks were, were dressed. I'm telling you that we are in a season of unprecedented innovation. I'm telling you that Jesus is not just the way for you. He's not just the way maker. He's not just going to make a way where there seems to be no way right now, but he is the truth inside of you that can transform the reality around you. I feel like I'm speaking better than you're amening. It's just... It's all right. I'm pretty secure. It's true. All right. So Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. He wants you to experience all of those. And because the Lord created all things, realize that he has a value system for everything. He has a value system for your business, for your family, for your education. God is about the kingdom, not just about the church. The church is about the kingdom. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. God cares about the things you care about. God's interested in the things you're interested in. And he's got a better way of doing everything. And he wants to reveal those sources of truth. I love how Colossians 2 says that in Christ are hidden All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's like the ultimate Google. 
Only his stuff's true. <laughs> All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in the person of Jesus Christ. And let me say, they're not hidden from you, church. They're hidden for you. They're hidden for you to find in a season just like this where the world is in a reset, where your life is in a reset, where your identity is in a reset, where the economy is in a reset. Don't wait for what's next. Cause what is next through the truth of Jesus Christ inside of you. There is an innovation for you to transform who you are and to transform the world around you because Jesus is the source of all truth. And you got him inside of you. So how do we begin to access that? I want to talk a little bit about that this morning in this realm of innovation. And I want to say, uh, I'll, I'll share four things and I'll go ahead and give them to you now. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it quickly here. And that is, innovation is about creative initiative. Creative initiative. Secondly, it's about creative communion. Creative communion. Thirdly, it's about creative flow or creative process. And fourth, it's about creative closure. And I'm going to try and touch on each one of these briefly this morning, just kind of give you an introduction to this subject and just trust that Holy Spirit is going to unpack it in a greater dimension in your life. Who needs some redefinition? Who needs a restart? Who needs to redefine or who needs a way in front of them that's going to come by a truth that Jesus can reveal to you. So here's the first thing is, is creative initiative. And uh, this is a principle many of us don't understand, that one of the highest manifestations of the divine nature inside of you is your creativity. You know, it's not just music, musical people or artistic people that are creative, as a matter of fact, in many countries, they call those type of people creatives. But, you know, every one of us is creative because we were created in the image of a creator. You can't help but be creative. It's who you are. You were made in the image of the most creative being in the universe. And so, first of all, we have to defeat the lie that you're not creative. Um, that's, that's not true. And, and that creative is a gift that some people have and some people don't. That's not true either. You remain in the image of a creator. And, um, and then some people think creativity is a mood that comes and goes. All right? That is a mythological Greek understanding. Okay? Where they believe that these muse spirits would come. A spirit of poetry, a spirit of song, a spirit of dance would come and, and, and reveal these kind of treasures to you. And I don't think you're into Greek mythology in that way, hopefully. If, if, if so, Jesus is here. Come. All right? But anyway, um, no, creativity is the divine nature of God inside of you. It's who you were made to be. It is one of the highest manifestations of God's nature inside of both Christians and pre-Christians is that we were all made in the image of a creator. So creativity is one of those manifestations. So we all know the scripture, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. 
And many times we relegate that term or that scripture to religious things. Let your light so shine before men so that they can see your testimony or they can see your healing. And those are awesome. Like, of course, don't stop that. That is definitely part of your light. But that's not what it says. It says, see your good works. And that word, ergon, is actually the industry of the hand or of the mind. In other words, do what you do so well that people will know it's God. Do what you do so well. Do what you do so brilliantly. Do what you do so innovatively that they know that can't be them. (laughs) I was sharing that the Lord gave me a call to transform worship in nations, and it was so, it was such a big call, and, and, uh, and I was like, God, how, how can I do that? I, you know, and I suggested a couple people that could maybe uh, be better at it than me. And he said, yeah, Daniel, but if they do it, then everybody will think that they did it. You know, if they do this, then everybody will think that they did it. But if I use you, everyone will know that I did it. <laughs> That's what we're talking about is let your good works so shine. Let the industry of your hand or of your mind so shine. Do what you do so well that people know that you got something going. That there's something going on. Come on, don't live an explainable life. Bring the impossible into your sphere of influence. Bring the impossible into your sphere of industry. Bring the impossible into your ideas because that's what you were made for. That's what you were created for. And so um, don't just relegate it to religious things. Of course, let the light of the gospel of the testimony of Jesus shine from you. Let the light of supernatural signs and wonders and miracles shine from you. Let the light of prophetic ideas and words shine from you. Of course do that. But please realize that it's much more than that. It's not just a ministry skill. It is a life skill to let your light shine. Where you do your work so well that people know there's something special about it. There's something different about it. (laughs) We were... We were with a lady yesterday. I don't know if she's here, but she, she makes cookies. And you t- taste those cookies. You're like, there's something different about this cookie. I'm serious. I could feel the light shining. Maybe it's just because I'm off carbs and sugar right now, but it was like the glory of the Lord was coming through this cookie. Let's just get real, shall we? (laughs) So, here's the thing. You've got to make creativity a priority. Our first term in innovation, creative innovation, is creative initiative. Take the initiative to be creative every day. Do something creative every day. All right, this is really important. Never say, I don't have enough time, because that makes time your master and not your friend. All right, Scripture says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Um, I believe that when you 
don't take time to express your creativity. That actually what happens is you face every challenge of the day from your natural mind rather than from God's potential of genius. It's like seeking first the kingdom of God. Part of that is actually tapping into the creative nature that you have in Christ Jesus. Some of you have let that just be a religious discipline of of how you read and how you pray. That's commendable for your discipline, and, and obviously don't stop doing that. But if that's all it is, that even isn't very creative. Some of you are just in a rut or a routine and you think that you're honoring God by your religious rituals. God's not exchanging old laws for new ones. His goal was always relationship. And if you're not really having exchange happen in that place, then you probably ought to do something different. Maybe you should put your Bible down and pick up your guitar. Maybe you should put your Bible down and pick up some paints and paint something. Maybe you should put your Bible down, pick up your notebook and make a business plan. Well, Dano, that's not very spiritual. That's because... You're not thinking that, number two, creating is communing. When you are creating, listen, we said that creativity is the highest manifestation of the divine nature. All right? One of the highest manifestations of God's nature is when you are creative because in the beginning, his first manifestation of who he is is as a creator. You were made in that image. When you are being creative, you are flowing with the divine nature of God. Practice your communion through your creativity. Whenever you do something creative, acknowledge the Lord in it. Enjoy the Lord in it. Celebrate the Lord in it. Creating with God is communing with the divine. There's something beautiful, something powerful about this reality. I was in Hawaii back in uh, February, and I met an architect who is in the Architects Hall of Fame. I didn't even know there was an Architects Hall of Fame. I wonder how many visits it gets. But anyway... He's in the Architects Hall of Fame, and, and, uh, and they were telling me about all these amazing architectural problems that he has solved, problems with environmentalists and, 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 and the ecology of a region, and then problems with, with how to set things in a certain space, and all these things that he'd solved. And I asked him, Francis, how did you solve all these architectural problems? And he said, every day I take time to practice having visions with God. I practice having visions and I practice drawing designs and I practice coming up with ideas every day. And he goes, it's through that practice that I've had the revelations that solve architectural problems nobody else could solve. What was he doing? He was prioritizing creativity. He was taking creative initiative, which is actually part of seeking first the kingdom of God. 
And then, while he was creating, he was communing with God. Did you know that the creative spiral of tormented artist syndrome is this? In the book of Romans, uh, chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, For though they knew God, they chose not to honor him as God, neither were they thankful, so their thinking became futile and their hearts were darkened and they gave themselves over to impurity with a continual desire for more. What happened? When people were creating but not acknowledging God, when they were creating but not communing, what were they doing? They were tapping into the infinite, but they were representing it in the temporal or the finite. And what happens is that when you're tapping into an infinite flow of creativity, whatever you create is never good enough because it doesn't feel like this. Some of you guys that are struggling with perfectionism, this is actually your problem. Creativity comes from the transcendent one. It comes from the infinite one. And when we try to recreate what we're kind of sensing or seeing or feeling, we forget that we're actually accessing something transcendent. And I'm telling you what, if in that moment you would just thank God that this creativity is coming from him, that he's so much bigger than you could ever express, if you would just give him thanks and acknowledge him, you would be sucked up into sweet communion rather than spiral down in it's never good enough. Where your thinking starts becoming confused and darkened and, and your heart starts getting depressed and then you start trying to medicate that, that lack of, of, of something special. This happens to every one of us in the realms of our creativity when we fail to acknowledge the source of our creativity, when we fail to give him thanks. You can either be sucked up through thanksgiving or spiral down through lack of acknowledgement. Because deep cries to deep inside of you. God has set eternity in the heart of every man and woman in this room. He set the transcendent inside of you. He, he has set inside of you something greater than the reality that you see around you. And when we try to imperfectly recreate this thing that is so transcendent, so, so beyond what we could imagine, it will either be frustrating or it can just be this exchange that's happening. Where even by faith we say, it's good. It's good. It's going to take me to the third area here. All right, first of all, creative initiative. You, you, you just got to prioritize creativity. You can't put it aside as something that you do in your spare time. You can't put it aside as a hobby. Otherwise, you're going to face all of life's trials with just your natural mind. I love what Einstein said. A problem can't be solved with the same mindset that created it. So you got to get out of your mind to get an answer to the problem you currently have. How do you get out of your mind? You get out of your mind through worship, through communing with God. You get out of your mind through a creative process where you're actually accessing different parts of your brain than your logical brain. 
See, there are, there are things in this journey that will open you up to a transcendent way of thinking that will be the answers to problems that you're facing right now, that your logic and your rationale don't even have the power to answer. It's a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding, a spirit of knowledge that is actually the very source of creativity. So there is creative initiative. Part of seeking first the kingdom of God is making time for your creativity just like you do for your prayer and for your Bible reading and for those other things. But when I seek first, when I seek first the kingdom of God and I express my creativity, I'm bringing that with me in my day so that every problem I'm facing, I'm facing from the access that I have to my creative nature in Christ Jesus. And then I'm learning in that creative process that creativity is not just about doing something. It's about communing with someone. It's about acknowledging him. It's about giving him thanks. It's about, it's a relational exchange. It's an idea exchange between heaven and earth. And that changes the nature of what's happening. And that, that takes me to number three, which is creative process or creative flow. And in creative process and creative flow, there's, there's several key elements as well. And one of those key elements that I've learned is this. Go where the grace is. Go where the grace is. In your creative process, go where the grace is. I, I've, I've written about 25 books. And, and uh, one of the things that I've, I've found in book writing is when I tried to write in order of my chapters, today I'm going to write chapter one. But I'm really excited about chapter seven. But I'm going to endure chapter one to get to chapter seven. You know what happens? Creative block. Why? Because the grace is on chapter seven right now. So I have to go where the grace is and capture that. And wherever the grace is, that's where I'm going to go. And then I will. Uh, in times where I'm not sensing a flow of grace in a particular direction, I can come back and refine and put into order other pieces. There will be a day that grace is on chapter 1 and a day that the grace is on chapter 12 or whatever. But you know what? It's like that in any process. I know that there are certain processes where stage 1 has to happen, stage 2 has to happen, all that kind of thing. But I'm also saying this, that sometimes when I would sit down to write a book, the grace was actually on a different process, like making a strategy, making a plan for a certain area. Or the grace wasn't on writing the, uh, this, the grace was on doing a video production or something like that. And, and by learning to go where the grace is, I was always keeping the flow of creativity happening in my life and not experiencing a creative block. And, and, and sometimes when we try to think too systematically, too linear, we, we shut off the uh, divergent thinking, you know? We're, we're in that convergent thinking where we're thinking the way that everybody has always thought about this. Well, you're not going to get an innovation thinking the same way everybody else has. And that's why you have to learn in the creative process that if this is creative communion, then I need to go where the grace is. I need to go where what he's shining on, even if it seems out of sequence to the normal way of doing things. Is anybody tracking with me? It's like, well, when you do this, you have to do this first. So who said? 
Who said? We're talking about innovation here. Why don't, why don't you try doing this first and see if that actually works, if that's where the grace is, if that's where the life is. You have to go where the grace is in creative process. You have to go with the flow. All right, here's the fourth and final thing. And again, I'm just touching on these in a very light way. The final thing is creative closure. Has anybody noticed that there's more warfare over finishing something than over starting something? Why is that? Why is that? There's several reasons. The enemy actually doesn't care how many projects you start. He cares how many projects you finish. And that's why there's the war of perfectionism. That's why there's the war of procrastination. That's where there's the war over it's never good enough. Those kind of things are always warring against you because there is a dominion in the creative things that you finish. There is an authority, there is a power, there is an influence that happens when you finish something. Not only that, finishing things with excellence is important, but I want you to know that it also takes humility to finish something. It, it, it actually takes humility to finish something. One of the things the Lord told me to do, he said, Dano, I want you to create from journey, not from destination. I'm like, Lord, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, don't create as someone who has arrived, but create as someone who is in process or on a journey. Say, this is where, when, when you say it's done, it's not because it's the best you've ever experienced in your life, but it's the best you can do right now. And you're saying in humility, this is where I'm at in this journey right now. See, that spirit of competition where we're trying to be better than everybody else, that is a revelation repellent. And so if we would see finishing not as an act of being better than everybody else, but as an act of humility to say and vulnerability to say this is where I'm at so far in the journey. Boom, right here. Some of you are just received the power to finish right there. What did Jesus say? He said, take my yoke upon you because I'm gentle and I'm humble. And in this, you're going to find rest for your souls. There's a gentleness and humility in creativity where it's not like, you know, people ask, Dana, what's your best book? My next one. You know, what's your best song? Your next one. What's the best movie? The next one. Why? Because I'm growing, because I'm changing, because I'm expanding. When I'm creating something, I'm actually learning more about what I'm actually capturing. Do do you know what I mean? Like, while I'm doing it, I'm learning more than what I'm currently trying to capture. And, And so I'm expanding. And this is the thing. Finishing has an exponential impact upon your life. Because uh, when you finish something, next time you can do it faster and you can do it better. And so even by finishing, what you've done is you've not just gained back the time that you were using on that project, but now you have redeemed the time because you can do the same thing in a shorter amount of time with a better quality because you know more and you've experienced more. So finishing redeems time 
and has an exponential impact upon your time and your productivity. And that's why the enemy wars against you finishing anything. He knows there's dominion, there's authority, there's favor, there's influence that comes through a finished idea, a finished project, a finished artwork. He wars against the dominion, the authority, the favor that's in that. And also he knows the exponential impact it can have on you in redeeming the time and increasing your productivity. So he wars against you. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Listen, it's the same lie as in the garden when he said, did God really say, like, is, is this really good? Is God really good? Is what you're doing really good? Is this good enough? And you get that war of the good enough, or I have so much to do, I can't do it anyway, so why even try? I don't have enough time. All those kind of things. Creative initiative. No, I'm going to take time to be creative, even if it's a few minutes every day, just so that I can start my, my, my day in the creative communion between heaven and earth, the genius of God flowing through me so that his light can shine through me in a way that men will see that can't be you. Creative initiative, start, make it a priority. Creative communion, as you're doing, as you're creating, commune with the Lord, give him thanks, glorify him. That'll keep the stream open. That'll keep the flow. And honestly, it'll become part of your devotional life every time that you are in this creative flow. And then the creative process, go where the grace is. And finally, creative closure. Don't just be a creator, be a finisher. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And Jesus was not only creator of everything in the universe, he finishes everything he starts. You're one of those things. He said, that good work I began in you, I will be faithful to complete unto the day of Christ Jesus. Come on. He's finishing what he began in you. Why don't you finish what you began in him? If you can relate to God as a creator and you can believe that it's through our relationship with him that we're able to create. It's through the image of him that we're able to create. Then believe, too, that you can take a hold. You can identify with Christ as a finisher. And you can say, in the same way I pull on you for the ability to start something, I pull on your nature for the ability to finish something. As an act of humility, an act of vulnerability, as a person on a journey, not at a destination. And I'm telling you, through that, there is going to be an unprecedented spirit of innovation released. I was reading over some of the prophetic words of Alaska, and it keeps talking about how this state is going to be a forerunner. I hear it over and over and over again from different prophets, how, how you are going to be a forerunner in these different areas to affect the rest of the states. And, you know, I live in California, and I say, I received that word. So I invite you to surpass me, but you better start running. Because I'm not sitting in my armchair waiting for you to be awesome. I'm pushing the envelope of what's possible for me. But evidently, you're supposed to be a forerunner in this. And that's why I felt led to share this message with you today. Alaska, arise. Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. 
and nations of the earth will be drawn to the light of your dawning. And part of that is this creative innovation that we have. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And he wants to demonstrate the truth in your life in an unprecedented way of innovation. If you don't know Jesus is the way today, then call on his name. Everybody who calls on his name will be saved. But all of us, let's embrace another level of communion with the Lord as the truth. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.